Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? It is September. Here we go, right? Well, welcome to all of you. Glad our guests are here. You know, uh, Nick Kitchett was telling me last week at the Chilling Grill, and we were talking about some new people had come in last Sunday, and he said, yeah, remember, this is Chair City Church, where every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah, and we, we used to say that in the beginning, and wow, more than ever before. I think uh, I'll put it out there in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do some compilation of what's gone on over the summer because it's been incredible. But uh, I think I look quickly, and over the summer, we saw over 50 first-time guests complete those connection cards. Isn't that amazing? So every Sunday really is somebody's first Sunday. So I want to ask you a question. Um, do you have a fear or a phobia? Um, these are probably looking at one another like, yeah, you, yeah, you, okay. But most of us have a fear or a phobia. I, I have some. I, like, uh, I don't have as many as I used to, but presently I, I still, if you know me well, I'm afraid of water. And I don't mean like in your bathtub or the faucet. I mean like, you know, where we really don't belong in other creatures' kingdoms over there. And like lakes and oceans. Like, you know, you got sharks. You got snapping turtles. They're going to kill me. They're going to rip my arm off. I'm just not going in, man. Just never, if you ever watch it, I go like to the knee. That's like deep. If I'm in, at my knee, that's it, man, you know. Anyway, past my knee, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm checking things out, you know. Uh, I'm looking out for danger. And, and so if you're like drowning, yeah, don't, don't look at me. I'm not the guy you want to call, you know. I'll yell with you if I hope, but I'm not getting in there. And, and that's your, Now, you know, years ago, though, I had a lot more fear, you know, especially before I, ca I came into faith at about 28. I, I turned to faith, came to know Jesus and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And prior to that, I had an abundance of, of fears. Uh, one of them was, and it just, I don't know how to frame this any better, but I just feared being responsible and being normal. It just, it really, I, I did. Uh, I governed and lived my life in a very dysfunctional, incredibly dysfunctional, irresponsible, careless way. Um, and, you know, at 25, I made a decision that I was retiring. I wasn't going to work anymore. You know, it wasn't good for my emotional health or my well-being, so I decided I was not going to work anymore, as most people do. I'd find another way to make it happen, and I, and I did, unfortunately. But, I, but really, if you were to know me, you would say I would present myself in a rather, you know, seemingly a confident way or, I don't know, well put together way. But actually, I was truly a basket case. More than anything else, I look back now, I didn't, wouldn't acknowledge it then, wasn't aware of it then, that my, my life was dominantly governed by fears, right? And so, you know, I, 28, I just unbelievably come to faith, put all that aside and just come to believe that there is a God. Like, okay, just calm down, and there is a God, and He does exist, and, and uh, you know, and I can know Him because of this Jesus. I, I get that, too. That all makes sense. All that I've learned about people and know about people and human nature. I was in the streets all the time. I was out in the city all the time. This, yeah, this makes sense to me. And not only that, though, but before I can even grasp it logically, something's going on inside of me. It's like God is drawing me and calling me and pulling me to, towards Him to know Him. And so I just, I, I, I embraced that eventually and came to faith. And then I meet a girl. Well, in the course of about two years, to just wrap this up, in the course of about two years, come to faith, meet a girl, start growing into faith, and set a date to be married, you know? And then it comes. So anytime you see me wearing my white pumas, you know it's nostalgia time. 
It's a big special day. It's a day where I'm just like dwelling in the thanksgiving of God. I can't believe God has done this. I can't believe I'm living this life. I can't believe this is happening when you see me wear the white pumas. You know, because when I was a kid, I had a rough life. And like one of the highlights of my life was, you know, saving up 12 bucks, going to the sneaker store and buying my white pumas. <laughs> 12 bucks, man. It was like the best you can get. Puma basket. And I get a t-shirt, by the way. And so here, we, here comes this day now. I'm with Christy for about two years, and I'm in the faith and plugging along, and then it comes, September 2nd, 1995. I find myself standing at an altar, right? <laughs> and, and here's the thing. They have a video of this. I hide it because I'm standing there, and I'm doing all I could to keep myself together, you know? And the doors open up, and there she is, and that's it, man, I, and I lose it. Now, yes, I lost it because she was such a beautiful bride, and I couldn't believe I was going to have this wonderful woman for my wife. But I was also losing it because I'm thinking, how am I going to do this, man? Oh, Jack, <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, so I got to take care of that. So I'm going to, like, vow to take care of her, to be there for her, to provide for her, to, to raise a family. Okay, time out. This is not good. I'm, real, I'm, I'm pretty shaken, and if you watch the video, you'll see my face is like all different weird looks and distortion and like going on, and it just was a lot for a human being at once. My brother Michael, who's my best man, actually kind of had to like hold me up. He's like, take it easy, take it easy. But I was, I really, just the fears, just afraid, like, man, can I do this, you know? I mean, obviously backing out in that moment was not an option, nor did I have any real desire to do that, but it just, I had the fears shows you what they do, creep it up on you. Like, man, I, how can I do this, right? Man, we can all identify with this, with fear creeping up on us, you know? We don't want to let fear take control, do we? We don't want to let fear keep us, you know, on the sideline. We don't want to let fear put us out and keep us on the couch. We don't want to let fear keep us out of the game, right? And that's what it can seemingly do, you know? If I would have let it, I would have never got to that altar. If I would have allowed fear to do its, continually do its work in my life, I'd have never came to faith. I'd have never made some of the decisions that I had to make along the way to even get to that place in my relationship with Christy. Uh, maybe I'll refer to one going forward. But, but fear didn't win, you see? Because there's something that fear is powerful, no doubt. But there's something so much more powerful than fear. You see, faith is more powerful than fear. I know this. You need to know this. You need to hold it right now to just hang on to that. That faith is more powerful than fear. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We're talking about faith that conquers fear. You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's, you cannot know God. You can have a logical comprehension or something of God, but you cannot intimately know God without faith. And we're going to look at the life of Joshua, kind of, kind of skim through it quickly this morning. Joshua spent about 40 years of his life alongside Moses. You might know Moses. It's the guy with the Ten Commandments, you know, Moses, God called Moses to lead his people, the Jewish people, out of uh, Egypt where they were in slavery and bondage. Well, Joshua is Moses, his comrade, his confidant. He's alongside Moses. Moses has this affection for Joshua. 
And Joshua there, in that role with Moses, learns a lot about faith. When Moses is called to that mountaintop, Mount Sinai there, to hear from God and receive those Ten Commandments, there's Joshua. Joshua's on the mountain. He's not up there on the top, but he's hanging out there somewhere on the mountain. Forty days, Joshua's hanging out, trusting in God, waiting on God. Joshua's there. And then we come to this moment in the Bible, the story, where God tells Moses to send out 12 spies. The Jewish people have left the promised land. I mean, they've left Egypt out of slavery bondage. They're traveling through the desert. God's calling them to this promised land. And now God tells Moses, okay, send out 12 spies into this land, the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. So Moses does what God says. And, this, and Joshua is one of those 12 spies. One of those 12 uh, admired men, person. Uh, one of those uh, thought well of, clearly those 12 people were, were well thought of, of good reputation. They go out there, they go out on this mission, and then return. And 10 of the spies who return approach Moses and they tell him, okay, listen, we cannot go there. We cannot go into this land. We have seen that those who are inhabiting it. I mean, the people are like giants. We're talking, they're like three times our size. I mean, it's like everybody is the rock and Hercules, man. We can't do this. They'll crush us. Not only that, there's many of them. There's more of them than us. And their cities are well fortified, meaning their armies are organized, have weapons. They will just destroy us. And, you know, we cannot move forward. And then the people... Uh, listen and they begin now to cry the bible says they they weep they begin to moan and groan to moses like okay what, why is this happening to us what are you doing and and you know what it would be better for us to have died as slaves in egypt at least we would have died with dignity now you're going to bring us to this place and they're going to take us they're going to take our children our wives everything we have and they're going to kill us you know, and then they begin to say, we want to go back to Egypt where we were in slavery. Where our fathers and grandfathers and our mothers and grandmothers were in slavery. We want that. At least we'll die with dignity there. And so they begin now to choose a leader. Putting Moses aside, we're going to choose a leader now who will take us back to Egypt. So then we jump into Numbers chapter 14, verse 5 through 9. And it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua now, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephna, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. It was a sign of, of humility before God. And said to the entire Israelite assembly, this is Joshua now speaking with Caleb, and he says, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So just try, trying to check this out, how it's developing, right? So these men, reputable men, 10 men are saying, okay, we cannot do this. We will be destroyed in a really a horrible way. And here's Joshua and Caleb saying, you know what, we saw the land, it's fantastic, it's phenomenal. It's all that God said it would be in 
and don't worry. I don't even want to talk about those armies. We will crush them. We will devour them because God has called us to this and God is with us. Let's do this and let's do it now. Now, can you picture the faces of these other 10 men? And they're like, okay, hey, Moses, you know, your boy Joshua here, yeah, he's crazy, right? And, you know, I know you told us to gather some fruit and grapes and bring it back. Well, we brought it back. Here's a branch with some grapes on it. But I think your boy has been devouring some, you know, fermented grapes there, and he's drunk, okay? We know what we saw. These dudes are huge. They're monsters. They're well-equipped with weapons, and as many of them, they will destroy us. You see, Joshua's seeing it so differently, right? And it's not because he was drunk. It's not because he was crazy. It's because Joshua knew the reality of faith. Reality and faith. Faith is not hocus-pocus. Not to, it's, it's real. The reality of faith. The one thing Joshua knew was faith sees God early. Joshua had accustomed to seeing God early on, right? While the other spies were steeped in fear and seeing everything through that lens of fear, which we can tend to do, Joshua instead saw an opportunity for faith. Joshua was looking out and seeing God early on, you know, that here's an opportunity for God to glorify himself, to do something unthinkable, unthinkable and unimaginable. You see, Joshua had a faith that sees God early on, when seemingly there's no evidence of anything changing, of anything happening. It's all this seeming, oh, the only things that exist are problems, situations, are seemingly limitations, but also the promises of God, right? Look, you know, early on, in, uh, after Christy and I got married, you know, on that incredible September 2nd, 1995 day, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it just happened real fast. We, you know, we jumped into ministry like we came back from our honeymoon, and man, we were in ministry. We were out there driving around, you know, uh, going into low-income housing projects and picking up kids, and they were coming. I mean, you know, two, four, eight, ten. There were nights we'd have like 30, 40, some like 50, you know, teens, you know, that really, I mean, Maybe like, real. I'm going to choose now, 95% of them were single-family homes. The majority of them were diff different ethnic backgrounds than we were. They were Hispanic and African-American. Uh, and, and they were just coming and, and, and coming. There were times we had events, be me, Christian, like maybe Lloyd and one other person. We were like 100, over 100 of them, of these wonderful, beautiful kids coming from very difficult and depraved lives, be coming and hanging around with us and just hearing us talking about God. And, and God had opened this door, right? Now, I had to make a decision. We're doing this for like, from when we get married in September. Now here we are in the early spring and, and you know, and, and we're really chugging along and, and doing our best. Uh, we, we, I'm telling you, we put, we'd go out there. Chrissy had this, we called, the kids called it the bucket. You know, we cut, and it was this little gold Chevette, stick shift. I didn't know how to, you know, I had to learn how to drive it. I never learned how to drive it. You drove it, right? I never drove the Chevette. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I drove it. I ran it into the ground. I did learn to drive it. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about running your Chevette into the ground. Anyway, so I learned how to drive the Chevette to stick eventually, but my way of driving it. But we, I put like eight, nine, ten kits in this Chevette. We'd start at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd finish up like 1 o'clock in the morning, man. 12 midnight, 1, 2 in the morning. And, you know, and as this is going on, 
And then the, the phone call, I'm, and it's like we're really stretching life. I'm working a full-time job. Chrissy's working a part-time job. We're doing this, and I get this call one day. I have me home around the middle of the afternoon, uh, and my phone rings. I pick it up, and there's this probation officer, and she said, I got this young man here, uh, and, uh, you know, I just threw his mother out because she was intoxicated, and I'm asking him, does he have any responsible, you know, person? Here's the irony. Does he have any responsible person, adult in his life? And he says, you. Okay, now one, <laughs> this, this is the guy who's afraid of being responsible, right? But here's the thing, the young man had just, we had just met him like four days earlier. He had just come to one of our Friday nights four days earlier, and here he is saying, yeah, I got a responsible person in my life. Uh, yeah, Pastor Dave. And it just so rattled me, you know? I didn't tell <laughs> the probation officer that, but I just said, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I'll get involved, and y'all come and meet with you, and and I'll, you know, I'll do some intervention. And I, and I just sat there and I just realized what I was involved in and the significance of it and how, man, how much these kids needed somebody and, and, and how could I do this? How could I be there for them and yet still do what I'm doing for my, to keep my family going? And Chris and I sat down and we made that decision, you know, to say, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna take this step of faith. Even though I know it does, it just look at all the bills, look what we're going to have to do, how are we going to do this, it's early on, it's not how I envisioned our marriage starting out, you know, there are things we want to save up, we want to buy a home, we want to, we want to do this, we want to do that, and, and, and you know, because really what it involved was this unthinkable had never been done before in the denomination we were attached to, we were going to set out now, you know, to set on a course, um, you know, to raise funds to be there full-time with these people. And you know how that started? I'd write out letters to people, letting them know what I was doing and what I believe God wanted me to do. Uh, the, I, would, I'm, I was terrible with spelling. I'm not the best anymore. I was horrific with grammar. I'm still bad, right? Christy has to, all my papers she has to review, <laughs> and my kids make fun of them. Uh, and I would send them out, and then I'd wait, and like $5 would come in the mail, and $20 would come in the mail. $15, that, that's and Chrissy's part-time job, and we lived incredibly tight. We're talking like we'd go to the grocery store, and we'd have to have a calculator just to add things up to make sure that, okay, this is how much we got to spend, what little we have, and, and, and let's do this. And so that was, you know, in a sense, because we believed that God was doing something. Why else would these Hispanic and African-American kids want to hang out with me, right? So, you know, and, and not only that, but, but care for me and, and treat us well. They did. They treated us well. They, they cared. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of. This has to be something of God. Meaning, we, we, but we were seeing God early. Even that God would do something. And he eventually did. He did phenomenal things through that ministry over the years. Within that denomination, we became the first missionaries to kids in the city ever in the entire history of that denomination. So many kids got to experience God in a wonderful way, and God did a great work through us. And it didn't get easier, it got harder, because two months, 10 weeks from that decision, my grandfather takes terribly ill, rushed to the hospital, and we decide now we're going to take him in to live with us and care for him. So now we have that plus my grandfather, you know, to care for. And I mean, like in the beginning, hour to hour to care for him. But somewhere in all those problems and all those uncertainties and all those nothings adding up was, you know what? We are seeing, we have a faith that is seeing God, that this is an opportunity. God, his, his presence is here. This is an opportunity for us to trust in God, to have faith in God, because we believe and are seeing him doing something on the early side, right? It's not adding up. We can't, it's not there. We can't picture it. We don't see any really evidence of it, but we know that God has a promise, that God called, that God, that we're going to step out now. Does that make any sense to you at all? 
right? Or did I move too fast all over the place? All right, listen. Joshua had that faith, and it pleased God, the Bible tells us. That faith we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We can have the same faith. God is calling us to that same faith in him. Another manner of faith that pleases God is a faith that seeks God earnestly. Joshua had trained himself to seek God earnestly. This is so important. We talked about for weeks about trying to standing strong when things go wrong, how to, how to endure it and, and, and approach God in the most painful, difficult times, we, you know, how to really see God for who he is. And, and here today I want to talk about faith, a rewarding, wonderful faith. Joshua would go, they had these tent meetings, if you were meeting up, they'd build a tent and Moses would go in that tent and he'd meet with God and people would wait around outside. But after everybody left, Joshua would stay. Joshua would always be there and Joshua would remain when everybody was gone to meet with God, to spend time with God, just to be around the presence of God. Joshua would seek God diligently and earnestly because he knew this would change his life. This would strengthen and build his faith and trust in God. I want you to just try, I'm gonna try and give you a visualization here, or a formula, if you will. So Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it sort of looks like this. Faith is believing that God exists, meaning God exists and because of that now you will see him in the realities of your life. Again, it's real. God is real. And you have what's happening in your life day to day and now you begin to you see God now in the realities of your life as your faith is increasing and growing. And now what happens is the more you see God, the more you begin to seek God, right? You begin to seek him for his power, for his love, for his comfort, for his wisdom. And you begin to experience that. And the more you seek God and you seek these, these attributes of God, these provisions of God, now you begin to see more of God. And the more you see God, more of him, you begin to seek more of him, right? So you're in this constant cycle now this earnest way of pursuing God, of seeing God and seeking God. And it is such a contributor to your faith and building of your faith and strengthening of your faith, seeing God, seeking God, seeking God, seeing God. And it's a powerful cycle that sort of just begins to take in all the parts, the elements of your life. Nothing comes into your life without going through this cycle, if you will. And it's so much of a better cycle than perhaps one that you or I at times or now can prescribe to or are living in, but we don't realize. You know, we have these cycles, if you will, that we, you know, we, we kind of manage life. Or as I was saying, sometimes it's more of a controlling way of approaching life. You know, we don't realize there are cycles, right? Things happen in our life. We have to make a difficult decision. There's a challenge in our marriage. So whatever it is, life is happening. And then we have a certain way of going about it. And then you see this in relationships. I see this in people's lives often. And then, you know, we go on, and then it happens again. And we go on, and it keeps happening. We don't realize this. If you have difficulty in your life, 
Now, next time you have a particular difficulty, particular situation in your marriage, write it down on the calendar. Circle it. Write down what you did, how you handle it. And I'm telling you, you five days later, could be 30 days later, could be four months later, you'll find it's coming back again. And you, you see, and write it down again, and write down what you did. And you know what you're going to see? You're in cycles more than you realize. You're in cycles. More than not, more likely than not, they're dysfunctional cycles, right? You know? Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're handling it at times apart from, or not entirely, from a faith that God pleases God or that God rewards. Versus saying, you know what? No, I don't want that cycle, <laughs> you know? Which really, within that are my fears, kind of, you know? A lot, of, a lot of my thinking there and my response there and how the decisions I'm making are coming more from fear than faith. No, no, I want all of this to go through my faith cycle, right? I know that God exists. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happened. Here's what I... Okay, okay time out. I know God exists. I am seeing God. And now, and now I'm seeking God, and then I'm seeing God, and that's what I'm doing. And the more I see him, the more I will begin to trust in him, rely on him, lean on him, and the more I do that, I'll be able to seek him deeply and powerfully, and then I'll experience that power, and I'll gain that wisdom, and I'll, and I'll, be, and I'll dwell in his love, and then I'm going to see more of him, and it just keeps going. Isn't, that's a better cycle, man, for you to live out through. That's so much of a better cycle to see and to seek God. And you know why you got to keep doing that? It's because fear doesn't stop. You hear me? Fear doesn't stop. It just keeps coming. It keeps knocking. Fear wants to dominate. Fear wants to control. Pause. I'm telling you, I say this so many times. And listen to yourself. Talk to yourself when you're in the middle of difficulty or having to make a decision. And, or even thinking about your future times. And you will notice there's a lot more thoughts saying, you know, coming more from fear, anxiety, right? And that's what it does. But you want to know. You want to you know that God exists. You want to see God and seek God earnestly. You are faith that seeks God earnestly. So faith doesn't stop, but I mean, sorry, fear doesn't stop. So faith must win. Faith must win. And faith does win. The faith that pleases God and rewards brings us to victory. I want to see what I want to do. So who would think that we would press on? And the years would come, my grandfather would live with us four years, he'd pass away in our home. That's what he wanted, you know? That, that's what he wanted. He said, you know what? I'll come and live with you under one condition, because he didn't want to come. I'm like, Graham, please come live with us. Okay, if you got a promise, you won't bring me to a doctor. Nobody come and examine me. I don't want them touching me. And so I promised, okay, okay, Graham, we'll never take you to doctors. You'll never go to the hospital. Nobody will come and examine you. It'll just be me. Wow, Okay. <laughs> No nurses, nothing, nothing. Just you and me and Christy in the home. And as we now go out and grow this ministry, which becomes more and more demanding, set out to have a child, have grand, it just was like, whoa, wow. And you know what? Here we are, you know, seeking God, seeing God, and seeking God. We look back now, we're like, that was crazy. That was like, that was wow. <laughs> and yet there was God, you know. And, and here I am trying to now be a dad, and, and we're trying to be ministers and reach these kids and care for a, an, a, a, an old man that was 90 years old. 
and, and, and feeding him and bathing him and cleaning all this that's going on and being there for kids uh, up at their schools and their meetings with their parents and in the jails and detention centers and group homes and out in the streets and two o'clock in the morning and they're in our home. It was just, <laughs> Chris is pregnant and it was just, wow. Open up the mailbox, 20 bucks, 40 bucks. By now, churches around New England were sending us money and supporting us, so that was super cool. And yet, all we just kept doing is taking one, honestly, you look back now, we didn't honestly make the decision, but this is what we did, one week at a time, seeing God, seeking God, trusting in God, having faith over and over. And, and, and yet, before you know it, ministry got one kid, three kids, went from one to three, right? <laughs> our fourth child, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're like, wow, you know, we, 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 we've, we've managed this, you know, with God's help, you know. Here we are, four children. We saw that ministry through. It was an incredible time. God called to keep going in ministry, brings us to Chair City, you know, all on the foundation of all I'm telling you about. I go this past week, uh, Christy and I and my kids, they are uh, supporting their dad and, and her husband. My family from Florida was going to Cooperstown, New York, because my nephew, who's a 12-year-old baseball, he's actually 13 now, but he's a very good baseball player, and his team down in Southern Florida was going to play in a tournament in Cooperstown, New York, near, not far from the Baseball Hall of Fame. Crazy thing, 104 teams from around the country come for one week to this dreams, uh, Cooperstown Field of Dreams, or Dreams Field, okay? It is a, it's like baseball heaven. It's incredible. Uh, I mean, wow, you got to be there. 22 fields, just all nice fields. Then this really, just really uh, very attractive stadium for the championship game. So they start playing on Sunday, and they go all the way through to Thursday. And then Thursday night if, is the final championship game. But... You start out with 104 teams. Well, here we come now, and, and, uh, and as we're watching the games, you know, me, Chrissy, the kids are rooting. Every now and then, I look over my dad, or I catch him looking at me, and he'd be looking at me. He'd just be, like, shaking his head, laughing. Like, <laughs> and I know what he was doing. He's looking at me. He's looking at Chrissy. He's looking at the kids, and he's like, how the heck did this happen? <laughs> you know? And really, he almost always does that when he's in my presence. He just still can't get over that. How, how did the worst of all his children, because I was the worst of all his children, you know, Come to a place with this, you know, a, a wonderful, wonderful person is my wife and my children. I just thank God for them. How, how could that have happened? How did that happen? And yet he knows, as I tell everyone and everybody knows, it's from my faith in Jesus. But my, a faith that seeks him and sees him and sees him and seeks him and that is diligent about that. You know, and, and, and I'm just so grateful for that. I, I couldn't imagine living apart from that kind of faith, you know. It, it, it's, just, it be, it's just become who I am and, and how I live out my life with God. And I'm just encouraging today, say, that's a faith. You want to have this faith that pleases God, and God rewards that faith. And it's a faith that sustains you and brings you to what God has promised for you. I've not seen it all yet. Ultimately, I'll be in eternity, and that, that, that's, the great, that's the best is yet to come. I'm going to be in heaven with God forever, and that's going to dwarf all of this. But I'm having a ball right now. I got to tell you, me and my white boomers, I'm loving it. And it's just, you know, and I thank God that my parents can, you know, just share in, in that the way they did. By the way, they won the tournament. Crazy stuff, right? They did. They 4-3. They, 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 104 teams come from all over the country. And this team from South Florida, what they call Boca Ultra Hitman. Yeah, yeah, they won the tournament. They did it all. So, great. So go ahead to Boca. 
and I behaved myself most of the time, right? I, I, I lost my voice, I was screaming at people so much, it's crazy. I'll get into it, so look. Let's, fear is the enemy of your faith, and it's gonna keep on coming, and one of the ways to deal with that and, and is to know this truth, that fear sees the problem. Fear sees the problem, but faith remembers the promise. Your fear will just, will just take your head and it'll just stick your face in the problem. That all you see is the problem. All you see and smell and know is your problem. But faith lifts you up out of that and just fixes your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith on Jesus and what God has promised you through Jesus, through Christ. You see, Joshua had a promise from God. He knew that. He saw God early. He continually saw him and sought him. And he had that kind of faith because he had a promise from God. He knew that. He held to that. He trusted God at his word. You need to know the word of God. You can't trust in the word if you don't know the word. You want to spend time seeking God, talking to God, reading the Bible, opening your scripture and, and reading it, going through it, seeing how God is talking to you. Man, if you've never opened up a Bible, just open it up and just start reading it. You're not going to understand a lot of what you're reading, but you're going to understand some of God is going to bring you where you need to be. That's how I got going. I say it over and over again. I just flipped through, yeah, whatever that is, okay. Wow, look at that, pressing on, forgetting the past and pressing on and moving forward into the future. Oh, that's me, I, I can, and that's doing something. Just keep just reading the word of God. You're gonna find direction, you're gonna find command, you're gonna find a way to, for you to communicate to God. God is gonna speak to you through his word in ways that you might not have heard him before. Listen, this is a faith that pleases God and a faith that God's reward. I feel very rewarded this morning. On September 2nd, 2018, I feel like a man who does not deserve what, he, what has come into my life. I feel like a man who's been very rewarded by God, you know? The great rewards of faith, and here's why. Because the greatest rewards of faith is God's presence, God's power, and God's purpose. You hear me? That's the great rewards. When we talk about faith, we're talking about, when we talk, you know, we're talking about faith that dwells in the presence of God, being able to trust what others can't trust. You see, in the story of Numbers chapter 14, Joshua says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the promised land. With, Justin, with, jo, with Joshua, you wanted to name him Joshua, just for the record. You did, didn't you? That's why I did that. She wanted Joshua, I wanted Justin. He was a boy, a male, I win. That's, that's what we did. If it was a girl, she had voting rights, I had veto rights. If it was a boy, I had voting rights, she had veto rights. In the end, we, I, I think I wanted something. We wound up with Justin, okay, wherever, okay. So what Joshua's saying here is that, hey, when he's saying God will lead us, he's saying the presence of God will be with us. The presence of God will go ahead of us. God is ahead of us. God is with us. We can trust in God. And Joshua believing that God is going to write a new story here. Joshua saying God is going to do something great here. God is going to write a story that we could never have written. And that's how the beginning of every great story begins. Is that every miracle, every great story starts with God 
and a human being. And a human being putting their faith, believing that God existed, them now seeing God in the realities of their life, them now seeking God for power and more of his presence and trusting in God. And this is how great stories come to be, right? And Joshua knew that. Listen, God is leading us. God is going before us. We can trust in this truth. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God's got you. God's holding you together. All, that's going, all that is going to come, all that's ahead of you, all that you perceive could be difficult. Oh, just don't fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on God, knowing that him, Jesus, because it's talking about Jesus there in that verse, he is ahead of you, okay? And he's going to hold it together. He's going to hold you together. He's going to hold your family together. He's going to hold the future of your children together. Trust in him. He will hold it together. Trust in him. Seek him diligently. Have faith that sees God early. So the other 10 spies, they never went over to the promised land. They never saw the promised land. That means they, they never, after this, after their encounter, after they saw it, came back, only saw problems, went back to Moses, said, no way. They did not go to the promised land. They never participated in what God had for them. But Joshua and Caleb did, huh? See, Joshua knew the presence of God would be there. All they were looking at were the problems and the issues. The faith we want is the faith that says God will be there. Because that faith, that's a faith that enables us to see what others cannot see, to go where others cannot go. Joshua saw the opportunity. Faith enables us to do that. You, I, I love it. That's what I love about, I love vision. If you know anything about me, I love my family with all my heart. I treasure my family. I love helping people. I do. I love coming alongside people and helping them and help first helping them know God because that, that that's what worked for me, man. That's why I'm here. You know, that's my story and I am viciously sticking to it. You know, it, 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 and it continually does great things in me and more than anything else, like my mom said, well, how are you doing? I said, you know, mom, more than anything else, I am good with who I am more than ever before in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable in my skin. I, I, don't get me wrong, I, you know, like I said, I'm far from perfect, but I'm going in a great direction. I just feel better and better about who I am before God and about myself than I ever have in my life, Mom. And she's so happy for that, because that's what means more than anything else. That, that's, my, that's it right there. That I am aware of God in my life, what God is doing and where God is taking me. And I'm having this greater sense and awareness of, of heaven and because of how awesome God is right now in my life. And how, when I look back, how he's been. And that I can stand here and wear my white pumas and just praise God. Faith enables you to see what others can't see. That whole baseball thing, that's a whole vision, man. So I was saying I got off track. I love my family. I love helping people uh, do better in their life. And I love vision. I'm crazy about vision. I do. I dig it. I love sitting there and thinking about God and considering what God can do and what God will do and, and what he'll do in our lives and as a church. And every now and then when, when I, it really can kind of, I start to see a little bit of what it could be. If you're around me, I light up like a Christmas tree. It's like, wow, you know. Let's do this. Let's go for this. We can do this. That whole place in Cooperstown, it's a crazy vision of a guy that just said, I want kids around the country who love baseball to come to a place and feel like they're playing in the major leagues for one week and, and, and to play against the best of the best. And that's what he did. It's an amazing place. He's just vision. 
You, you, listen, you could have great vision in your life. I don't care what your education is. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. I don't care. You can have great vision in your life when it comes to faith. Faith will help you see your life through the lens of a living and loving God, right? Uh, faith will help you see your life not from fear, but from great potential and possibility of what God can do in you, huh? So this is the faith that pleases God and one that God rewards. So let's finish this up. Last one is, when you read, this, when you read that Numbers chapter 14, verses four or five right up through nine, actually even 13, if you come through 13, what you find is that these Egyptians, I'm sorry, these Jewish people, the Hebrew people, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And it's really, if you're poised, you're like, this is crazy. So they want to go back. They want to go back to bondage. They want to go back to slavery. You, you, you got to hear me out on this one. You got to listen intently. They want to go back to where they think they'll die living that way, but to them, they'll die with dignity. And, and, and by the way, this is a certainty. They know it. They know when we go back there, we're going to live out less of a life. We're going to lose our freedom. Our lives will amount to nothing more than being slaves, and we'll die that way because we just, we're, the, we're year number 400. For 400 years, we've been watching our ancestors and our families and grandparents and great-grandparents live this way. We're, we're, we're buying in. We want that. And we want somebody to lead us that way. But not here. Not here. Because, because that, that's definite. Over here, it's worse. What's worse? What's well, uncertain? We have fear. There's really no fear here. Oh, it's, 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 I was going to say, it stinks. It's terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. It's atrocious. You and I can't even stomach thinking of living that way, but there's no fear. It's us. We got this. It stinks, but it's our mess. It's our stink. It, we are used to this. We got this. We know this. We're familiar with this, okay? Birth is here, fear. Fear, look at all the terrible things that could happen to us. Look at what could go on. And what if we don't have another for this? And what if they get us here and they kill us here? And what if that happens? See what fear does to you? Listen, fear will make you chase what's familiar. Fear will make you chase what's familiar. Fear will bring you, fear will send you back chasing for that which you cannot stand, which you know sells you short, which gives you depression, which causes anxiety. Fear will push you back that way. And now you're like, okay, it is my mess, and it's insufficient, and it's not what I want, and I know it's not the best thing, but you know what? I'm familiar with it, and it's my mess. So you know what? I will stay here. And rather than embrace faith, right? Rather than embrace life-giving, life-changing faith and jump into a vision that God has for you, for your life, and to, see, and, and to see God early and to seek him and see him and be part of a process that will bring you to places you never thought you could have been, doing things you never thought you could have do, most of all being the person you never could have imagined being because you can't until you get there. Rather than go there because of what your fear is telling you to do and not to do, you stay content in the mud and the mire. You stay content in the pit of despair, anxiety, depravity, sin, 
ungodliness, all this way of handling life and doing things, because you're familiar with it. You got it. You're in control. But I tell you this, something greater. God wants you to have a faith that pulls you out of that way of being. He wants you to jump in a cycle that takes you out of that place. He wants you now to have a faith that pleases him, that he rewards, to be part of a, a faith that has a cycle of seeing and seeking him that breaks all that up, fractures it, fragments it, it helps you see it for what it is, man. This is not good. This is not, I got one life to live. I got one life to live. And I'm not going to live it this way anymore. I am going to live by faith in God. And I'm going to trust in God with all that I am. I counted in between services some people that were young people. I said, look here, I'm going to just tell you something here. Hear me out. Hear your pastor out here. I know it's going to sound crazy now. But you know what? I don't care how old you are. You're on the younger side. I'm going to speak into your heart right now. You got to go out there and live in a way you never thought you could have. You got to be unselfish. You got to think of this other person before yourself. You got to trust in God. That's how you're going to trust in him. Don't feel the pain. Don't see the problem. Don't let it overwhelm you. I get it. If I, normally, I get it. Normally, that's emotionally, that's tearing. I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I can, I, as you're telling it to me, man, I'm, 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 I'm struggling, and I'm, and I'm feeling the pain, and it hurts. I get it. But here, i got to just tell you, just, just don't focus on the pain. Don't focus on the problem. Right now, fix your eyes on Jesus and trust in him. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's crazy now. It's so unnatural, but it is so supernatural. I want you to love that person. I want you to serve that person. I want you to care for them. I want you to think of them before yourself, not better than you, but before them. I want you to go second. I want you to lovingly, gladly, crazy, be glad to go second and put them first. Because I'm telling you, that's faith. That's the faith God's calling you. That's the faith that pleases God. That's the faith that God is going to reward. And I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna, to, in doing this, you're going to see God. You're going to seek God. You're going to know God. I just took this, just going right to him, right to them. And just God is calling you to something great. Today, I know God in such a wonderful way. I, as I said, I'm standing in, in, in part of my promised land. I'm no different from you. I truly believe with all my heart that you can have faith that will bring you to your deposits of your promised land, that will bring you to deposits and an awareness of God, that of what he has for you regardless of the pain or where you've come from, what's gone on. So what are you going to do today? You know, what, do you, what are you going to do when you're looking at roadblocks, giants, monstrous problems, when you're looking at a future where you've already mapped it out and you, certain things need to be in place, you know, and, and, and to really to bring your faith to where it needs to be no matter who you are, that would mean it would, it would present challenges and uncertainties. What are you going to do? Will you today decide to seek God and to see God? Will you decide right now that I am going to see God early on? I have a faith that is seeing God early, and I'm going to see opportunity as I, when I trust in God and I lay out my life, life to trust in God. He is going to be there. He's going to be with me along the way. He will be there, and, he, and I will have this great vision for my life. I will be, it'll begin to unfold and become clearer and clearer to me. And the day will come where I will just thank God. I will glorify God. I will know God in his great way. And I will not be identified with this mess. I, this mess will not drive my life. 
Uh, I am stepping away. I'm not going to keep returning to this mess no more. I'm going to live out my life in trusting God. It's my prayer today that you came in here Labor Day weekend, that you leave, leave here today with this passion, this great desire to have a faith that pleases and rewards God. To have right now that you would be so empowered by God, to be so courageous, to be honest with yourself as you examine your life and say, you know what, man, this, this, is, this does not fit with that kind of faith. This way of practicing, this way of thinking, no, no, that's not where I want to be anymore. I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling myself that story anymore. I'm starting a story that right now is beginning with me having great faith in God and I am going to seek him and I'm going to see him and I'm going to seek him and I'm going to do this diligently and earnestly with everything that comes into my life. And when I feel, hear these thoughts and, and hear them speaking to me about what about this and what about that, just no way, that, 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 I don't have room for that anymore. That doesn't fit my new way of thinking. That's not part of the story. Yeah, it is, but that I defeated it, that I conquered it, that I disabled it from hindering what God has for me. That's my prayer for you today. I'll be praying it later on for all of you, but I hope you walk out here today with this because even if you can get a taste, just one moment of sensing God with you in this wonderful way of his presence and what it's like to truly surrender yourself to God, man, that's, that's an addictive feeling, you know? That's a crazy, wonderful feeling. And that if you just get a hold of that, I'm telling you, man, then you start fighting for it. Then you start battling for it more so than you're battling for this other stuff that you, you keep holding on to. You start battling to hold on to this type of a faith in God. Chris, you talked about a connection card when you came in, and that card, and on one side of the card, it says, my next steps, and it, it talks about that today I'm deciding to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You want to check off one of those boxes. If that's you, that today you decided, you know what? The way I've been living my life, it's just missing a target. Uh, it's apart from God, you know? And, and I'm, I'm going to stop living it this way, and I'm going to turn to God. You know, I'm gonna, I, I don't know yet what all that entails. I don't know what it's going to look like yet. I just know this. I want a faith that pleases God and that God's going to reward. I want to know that God's, God's calling me to put myself aside and to trust in Him. I want, and God is going to give me a vision for my life that I could never have imagined. And so today I put my trust in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, you check that box off and you bring it to the guest services table and they'll give you a package. So I just want to say I'm so thrilled to, you know, share days like this with you. Andrew even said that we put it up on the screen. I said, no, no, I don't want to put it up on the screen. I don't want to put it up on the screen for anybody. Why me? But as I was preparing this and going through this reel, I flipped it over in the wee hours of the morning because I said, man, look, look at what God has done. Look how incredible God is, what he's done in my life, what I see him doing in your life. You know, I have the privilege of texting many of you during the week, saying, look what God is doing. Look what he's doing. And some of you have to remind you of how poor you used to be. And you don't, <laughs> you know, look what God has done. Look what he's brought you through. Look what, I mean, what a privilege that we could be a part of this thing, this organism called Chair City Church, and to see God work through our lives, you know, and God enable us to have a faith that continually sees him and seeks him. To God be the glory. Have a great day.